Mosaic, how the heck you doing? It is good to see you guys. This morning we started a brand new series uh, called Full of It, and, uh, and I'm excited about the series. And just so you know, the inspiration for this series is uh, there's just some things that are bouncing in my head and in my heart that happen on the other side of Easter just about every single year. And, and it's kind of like the post-Easter conversation because I shared with you last week, like, I love Easter. And Easter, to me, is the best day of the year. Right? For those of us who are Christians, it is the penultimate event. Right? Easter changes everything. It changed my everything. It has the, it has the power and ability to change your everything. Um, but on the other side of Easter, I always find myself wrestling a little bit because Easter is not the end of the story. It's not the end of the story. In fact, if it was the end of the story, really there'd be no purpose for us to be in here this morning whatsoever. Um, there'd be no reason to gather and talk about Jesus and sing songs and give and talk about serving our city and connect to other believers, work in this thing of faith called out. Right? We could just sleep in and play golf and watch the Masters, which I will do later on today. Um, right? there, there'd be absolutely no, no reason to. But the truth is, like, there's, so much more, there's so much more that God has for us. Like Easter, Easter is not the, the, the end of the story. In fact, in many ways, Easter is uh, the beginning of the story for those of us who are followers of Jesus. It's the beginning of, of the journey uh, in many ways. And so it's kind of, this morning is kind of like a, a what now kind of conversation and, and also kind of a what gives conversation. Um, and, and here's what I mean by that. Jesus, you know, said a lot of different things. And, and he talked a lot about what he came to do and accomplish. And, and I want to share with you one of the things that he shared. And this is actually one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. You can throw it up there uh, from John 10.10. 10. And he says this. He says, I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Right? I love this, this passage. It's one of my favorites. I have come that they might have life and have it uh, to the full. Right? And so Jesus said a lot of different things about why he came. So came to save us? Yes, absolutely, right? Came to reconcile us to God, pay the penalty for sin and death? Yes, right? To, to adopt us into God's family as his sons and his daughters? Uh, yes, but that's not it, right? And, and, and he says, look, I didn't just come so to t- deal with your eternity, right? Um, I didn't just come, God doesn't just care about where you go when you die. That's an important thing, but let's be honest, there's so much life to be lived in between now and there, right? There's so many days, there's so much life, and Jesus says, look, Part of the reason that I came is not just for eternity, it's for here and now, right? It's for your life uh, right, right now. I came that you would have a life to the full, right? Full of passion, full of my spirit, full of, of purpose, full of life, right? And so the question that I wrestle with just about this time every year is what gives, right? Why, why in the world is it that, that it seems like so many people who call themselves Christians aren't experiencing that, right? Some do, but why is it that so many don't? Right? And, and not just people who, like, you know, aren't in church every week. I mean, we're talking about, like, in church more weeks than not, sing songs, listen to the music, like, bought the T-shirt, the whole deal. They celebrate and party on Easter. Why is it, like, the other 360-odd days, so many of them just kind of seem to look like everybody else? Right? Struggling, uh, surviving, not particularly thriving, right? Experiencing the same kind of peace or lack thereof or joy or lack thereof as everybody else, just kind of like plugging away, same attitudes as everybody else, like not discerning, discernibly different and not particularly great. Why does it seem that so many people are not experiencing that if that's why Jesus came, right? And so this morning, this morning I want to suggest one answer to that question, right? So b- before we do, back to the question we began with, uh, Pepsi or Coke, right? So <clears throat> this is an issue in our home. Um, you guys can pray for us. Uh, it's, it's one of those 
you know, it, do, it doesn't necessarily make or break the marriage, but it could. You never know. And, and, and the thing about every issue like this that we, that we deal with is we are all biased, right? We're all, none of us are objective. We're all subjective, right? Our past story, experiences, beliefs, convictions, core values, all these things, they, they influence us, right? And so, for example, like I used to be a bartender, right? And, and so I know that Coke is superior to Pepsi, right? And that Jesus, when he comes and he ushers in his kingdom and its fullness, that we will be raising a glass of Coke and drinking Coke for eternity. I know this, right? Because Coke can do things that Pepsi just simply can't do, right? You don't, you don't have a Jack and Pepsi, you know? You don't have a whiskey Pepsi, a Canadian Pepsi. You don't splash Pepsi in the top of your Long Island iced tea. You don't do that. You do that with Coke because Coke is superior, right? My wife, however, would take issue with that. She's a Pepsi girl, right? But we have our different... My background influences what I believe to be true, right? So this is true, like, across the board. So, like, music, for example, right? You might say to me, look, my favorite band of all time, greatest band to ever walk the face of the earth, created some of the greatest music we've ever enjoyed, right? Put on the greatest show, greatest band to ever grace a stage is Nickelback, right? And I would say, false. That is, that is not true. Um, and if I would say to you, look, that, they're deplorable. I'm sorry, they represent all that is wrong with the music industry, um, right? You say you love them. I say I hate them. Like, who's right? I am. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's exactly right. That's the right answer. Right? But, but, you know, we're influenced by different things. So, like, culturally, we love to hate on Nickelback, right? And so that might have something to do with it, right? You might love Nickelback because you grew up in a van down by the river or, you know, you were raised in a cave and you never heard real music. I, I don't know, you know, but, but all these things influence how we think and how we feel. So a better example would be, like, politics, for example, right? And so, so depending on where you land politically, it affects what you hear, right, how you interpret, like how you experience our current president, for example. So when President Obama gets up and he talks on any given issue, right, if you're a Republican, you hear that through a certain lens, right? And, and depending on, on who you are and, and all these things, right, you may have already decided, I don't agree with anything he's about to say, right? I already disagree with him. I don't believe him. He's probably lying. He needs to be replaced, right? And those of us who are like Democrats, we experience the, the exact same thing. We hear the exact same words from the exact same person, but we are interpreting that in a very, very different way, right? And so the thing is, the reason I share this is we do the exact same thing with our faith, right? And so we watch Jesus, and we listen to Jesus, and we read the Bible, and we watch what he does and what he says, and we interpret him through our own unique lens, through our own convictions, our own values, right? And, and, I, and why I want to bring this up is we need to be very, very careful, because in the life of Jesus and his ministry and his words and his miracles and what he said and taught and did, there's a tension. And I think every single one of us, we really want to resolve this tension. And we want to push Jesus one way or we want to push him the other way. Right? And that's that Jesus, Jesus was, he, he, if you watch him, he, he responds so differently at different times. Like there's these moments where he's so incredibly uh, gracious. Right? He's so merciful. Like he's standing up for the poor. Right? He's honoring those who have been dishonored and undervalued. He's putting his reputation on the line for people that nobody else is willing to put their reputation on the line for. And then in the next moment, right, he is offending everybody. Right? And he's just unrelenting in the truth that he speaks. And he's willing to offend people. And he's driving crowds away. Right? And he just like, drops his truth bomb. And he's just like, the shrapnel's out. You deal with it. You know? And then the next moment, he's back like, being gracious and compassionate and tender uh, to people. And it's like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I think that in every single one of us, we want to resolve this tension. Is Jesus all about truth and speaking truth? Or is Jesus all about grace and speaking grace and acting graciously? 
right? And, and what I want to suggest this morning and, and have us wrestle with is I don't think it's a question of or. It's a question of and, right? And there's some really big implications of this. So this is what we read in John chapter 117. It says this. It says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He doesn't say grace or truth. Right? He doesn't say it was half grace and half truth. Since Jesus was both fully, full of truth, right? Unrelenting when it came to truth and completely gracious, equally unrelenting when it came to grace, right? Now, even if you're, if, even if you're not super familiar with church, like you, you get the idea. You know what grace and truth is. For example, just in case you don't, right? Grace says you're forgiven. Truth says you're accountable, right? Grace says you're fine. Truth says you're broken, right? Grace says you're going to be okay, and truth says you're going to have to work on it, right? Grace says, no matter what you do, I love you, right? And, and truth says, you better watch what you do because there's implications, right? Grace and truth. And I think all of us, depending on our personality, depending on our, our past experiences, we lean one way or the other, don't we? Right? There's grace people, right? And there's truth people, right? So, so, so for example, some of you were raised in homes where you had a grace person and a truth person, Right? You had Mrs. Grace and maybe Mr. Ungrace, right? And they fought and argued behind closed doors about how to raise you, right? And, and Mrs. Grace or Mr. Grace was like, look, he's just a kid. You know, don't be so hard on him. You know, they'll learn on their own. Like, we just got to love him, be there for him. And the other person was like, no, 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 no. They need to learn. There's consequences for actions, right? They're going to be disciplined. For every action, there's a reaction. And went back and forth, back and forth. There's grace people, truth people, right? With our faith, you see this all the time, right? So truth people. Truth people are like, look, we just need to speak the truth. We need to preach the Bible, everything that it has to say, and we don't leave anything out. We just say it, and we just let it land how it lands. If it offends people, it offends people. You know, people run away, well, so what? Right? They ran away from Jesus too. You know, we just need to speak the truth. And every issue is basically an issue of whether or not we're speaking truth. Right? Grace people, like, th that makes grace people very uncomfortable because un grace people are like, no, let's just love each other. Right? We just need to be, we need to be tolerant. We need to be gracious, tenderness, compassionate. If everybody would just do that, the world would be okay, right? And, and you can see the tension, right? You can feel it. And both of them look at each other and they say, have you ever read the Bible? Right? Because the grace people are like, you know, the truth people are like, look, remember, they killed Jesus, right? They killed him. They crucified him. Not because he was a big teddy bear and he was just walking around giving out free hugs, right? He said things that were hard. He spoke truth. Read the Bible, right? And grace people are saying the exact same thing. They're like, have you not read the Bible? People love Jesus. Even when they disagreed with him, they ran to him. They wanted to be with him. People don't like you. Have you ever read the Bible? Right? And so there's like some serious tension here. And, and I think for all of us, like we want Jesus to go one way or the other. We want to push him one way or the other. And the thing is, Jesus doesn't say or. He doesn't say it was grace or truth. Right? He said yes. Right? He said both. John says he was grace, the fullness of grace and truth. A great example of this. So one day Jesus is walking along. Some truth people come up to him. Right? And they drag this woman in front of him who's been caught in adultery. Now, the truth is, right, that's a sin. Right? Bible talks about it. Find passages about it. Speaks to it. Truth is, she's, she's guilty. They know this. Jesus knows this. And here's what they say. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. And they made her stand before the group, and they said to Jesus, <clears throat> Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? 
Now, here's the thing. Before I go any further, us grace people, we love this story. And sometimes we, we read this through our lens and, and we assume certain things are there that aren't there. And I think one of the things that we miss is that Jesus never disagrees with them on this point. He never does. Because Jesus knows it's true. Right? Romans uh, 6.3, right? It says the wages of sin is what? It's death. Right? To this particular part, like if you Google it, right? It's in Leviticus, this particular one. Right? That, that, that this, is, this is the real deal. This woman has committed adultery. That's a sin. Right? She is, she's hopped into bed with someone who isn't her husband. She's blown up her marriage or the marriage of somebody else. And so here's how Jesus responds, though. But Jesus bent down, and he started to write in the ground with his finger. They kept asking and questioning him. And when they did, keep questioning him, he straightened up, and he said to them this. He said, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a sin at her. Now, again, those of us who are grace people and truth people, you do the same thing. As we read stories, and we read it through our lens, and we can impose stuff on the text that simply isn't there. Right, but notice, right, Jesus, what Jesus does not say to these people, right? He does not say, come on, guys. It's not that big of a deal, right? Let's think about the big picture here, right? Rome is crucifying people and nailing people to crosses, right? There's wars going on all the time, people murdering each other. We've got women who are being trafficked. We've got kids who are being used and abused. There's so many worse things that this woman could have done. I mean, this was consensual, right? It takes two to tango, right? They were both in on this. And, and besides, like, we're not living in the day of Moses, right? right? This is first century Jerusalem. Right? We're progressive. We've emerged and evolved from that archaic stuff, right? So, so, so listen, honey, go home. Just try to be more careful next time. Right? He doesn't say that, right? Nor does Jesus turn to these religious, truth-loving accusers and say, look, guys, get, come on, give her a break. Right? We all make mistakes, you know, and, and you know what? Unlike you, like, I know this gal's story, right? And she's been through the ringer, right? Her husband is a turd. I bet you didn't know that. Never should have married the bum. But you know what? Her dad was an even bigger turd, right? It's part of the reason she married him, right? She's always looking for love in all the wrong places, right? Doesn't feel valued or, or loved. She's got some daddy issues, right? And so she just drives her in the, the arms of the wrong men. Also, come on, he came on to her, right? He flirted with her. He bought her the drink. You know what I mean? He promised her that he would leave his wife and they'd run off and they'd be together forever. Come on, guys. This really isn't her fault. Right? He doesn't say that either. He doesn't say, look, she's young. We all make mistakes when we're young. It was prom. Right? <laughs> oh, that struck a nerve. Um, <laughs> right? It's college. Right? We all make mistakes in college. You know, right? Angry accuser number two. Right, Jimmy? Right? Remember? Right? I know what you did. Right? He doesn't say that. And I point that out because, listen, it, Jesus never disagrees with them on this point. Right? He, he never says, look, sin's, it's not a big deal. Right? In fact, the, the seriousness of the sin in this point, it's not lost on Jesus. Right? He knows what she did. He knows what the penalty is. He doesn't say, look, guys, you're misquoting Leviticus. Right? The penalty of sin is definitely not death. He doesn't do that. But here's what he does say. He says, look, let, let the one who's without sin throw the first stone. And this is what we're told. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman still standing there. Right, so they all bail. 
Right? What stops them, ironically, is, is truth. Right? The same truth that they thought gave them um, liberty to parade this woman in front of Jesus right, and take her life is the very thing that stopped them. Because what Jesus essentially says is like, look, all right, you guys want to go all law, Moses? All right, let's go all law. All right? Anybody without sin, anybody who's perfect, anybody who doesn't need forgiving, who doesn't need reconciled to God, right, who's just fine and clean, you can throw the first stone. Go for it. Right? But, but just know, right, when we're done with you, we're going we're gonna, to, you're next. All right? When, when you're done, you know, carrying out punishment on this gal, you're next. And we're going to work our way through this crowd until everybody gets what they deserve. Right? Who wants that? Right? Nobody wants that. So one by one, they leave. And, and here's the thing. I think especially for those of us who are grace people, like, this is where we want the story to just about end. Right? We want to end and just say, look, see? That's Jesus, right? All about grace, always protecting people. That's it. Moral of the story, don't throw stones. Jesus was all about grace. Now, that's not a bad takeaway, right? But Jesus isn't finished yet because what Jesus is not saying is, look, nobody's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. And therefore, nobody has the right to suggest that somebody else might be wrong. He doesn't say that. That's That's not his point. Jesus is not done. So everybody leaves, and it's just Jesus and this woman. And this is what we read. Jesus straightened up and he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, No one, sir. And he says, Then neither do I condemn you. All right? Boom! I love that part, right? Grace people, we love this part. And Mosaic, come on, we got a lot of grace people in the room. Right? We love this part, right? I love this part, right? So everybody leaves until the only person left is the person who is qualified to carry out the judgment. Right? Jesus has every right to drop the hammer on this gal. Right? She is, she's done something she knows she's not supposed to be doing. She's blown up another marriage. Right? We're told it's like number five or something like that. Right? And, and Jesus can, can bring the judgment, the condemnation right here. The truth is he has every right to do that, but he doesn't. And that's grace. Right? And us grace people love that. Right? Grace is, is getting what you don't deserve. Right, or not getting what you do deserve. And that's what Jesus offers in this moment. Right? And Jesus doesn't condemn her. Why does he not condemn her? He doesn't condemn her because he loves her. Right? He loves her. This woman, this is probably the most shaming moment, worst moment of her life. Right? She just took the ultimate walk of shame. Right? Everybody's around. Right? She may be, still be like wrapped up in the sheet from the night before. She's ashamed, she's embarrassed, and she's guilty. Right? And Jesus steps in and says, no, no, no. There's not going to be any condemning going on today. And he gives her grace, right? And we want to stop the story and walk away. But that's not the end of the story, right? And if we, if we stop there, we miss the second half of the sentence. And this is what Jesus says. He says, I do not judge you. I do not condemn you. And that's grace, friends. And then he says, now go and leave your life of sin. And that's truth. And for some of us, that's the part that makes us really, really uncomfortable. Right? He says, you've got to stop. You've got to stop. It's, it's, it's wrecking your life. It's destroying you, whether you realize it or not. Right? You're never going to experience the full life that I've come to bring if you keep running off and doing these things. Like God has said, this is not how I've created you to behave. It's not what I have for you. Right? And, and that's the thing. Like, real love requires both. That's why Jesus was the embodiment of both. Right? If I've got a friend who's, who's up, to, up to his ears in addiction, he's up to his ears in addiction, 
right? It's not loving for me to just practice grace and say, look, who am I to judge? Just to keep doing what you're doing, right? I, I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. Like, we just need to be okay with each other. Who am I to say anything? Like, that's not loving, right? What's loving is for me to give him grace and say, look, I've got your back. Just, you know, whatever happens, I'm always in your corner. I'm always going to be there for you. You call me if you need anything, but you've got to stop. Right, you're destroying your life, man. It's not going to go well for you. Right? It's, it's both. And, and I share this this morning because this is so huge for us. Because like culturally, right, if there's like a core value that kind of pulses through our culture that most everybody buys into and it's everywhere, it's tolerance, right? right I'm, I got my, my stuff. You got your stuff. This is okay for me. That's okay for you. And we just need to coexist and kind of be okay with each other. Right? And that's, that's tolerance. But boy, this idea of absolute truth, pfft, how dare you? How dare you suggest that I could be wrong? Right? And, and that's really, really hard for us. Because the truth is, like, grace is not good news without truth. You know what I mean? Like, being saved, there's nothing special about being saved unless you believe you actually have to be saved. Right? Until we find ourselves and believe and, and accept the fact that we are, we are so broken. We bring nothing to the table but our own brokenness when it comes to God. We, we have nothing to offer him back right? We are broken. We need saving. Until we get to that point, we will, grace is not going to mean anything to us, all right? And we will experience very little, very little of it, right? And that's the hard part for those of us who are grace people. Like, we don't want to hear that. We don't want to wrestle with that. Let's just be okay to be okay, right? In a tolerant culture, we're on board with the idea of grace. You know what I mean? I don't condemn you. I don't judge you. Yeah, Jesus, I like that guy. He had to figure it out, right? But that's not the only thing he said, Right? I do not judge you. I do not condemn you. Right on the heels of that, it was like, now go. and Sin no more. Leave, leave that life of sin you're living right now. All right, Jesus did not get crucified because he was a super swell guy, and he just went around saying, like, let's just love each other and look the other way when we disagree. Let's just agree to disagree, and you know what? You believe what you're going to believe. I'm going to believe what I'm going to believe. And who are we to judge? He didn't teach that, right? He got crucified because he said stuff like we talked about last week. Polarizing stuff, arrogant stuff, abrasive stuff. Very bold, like things like, look, I, I am the way, right? I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, man, no, people don't like that message. Who wants to hear that message, right? Unless you totally bought into Jesus already, that's so arrogant, so abrasive, so divisive. But, man, if that's true, then that is the most loving thing that Jesus could possibly say. But there are a lot of people who don't want to hear that. Right, he'd go around and he'd say things like this. You know, if you abide and hold on to the things I teach you, then you will really be my followers, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Moni said that everybody picks up stones to kill him. Right? Because the religious people are like, look, I, got, I like what I've got here. My belief system is working for me, and you're messing with that, Jesus. That's heresy. And the irreligious people are like, that is so intolerant, you bigot. And both of them picked up stones to take him out. Nobody liked that message. Right? And then Jesus had the audacity to say something that's even worse for us, especially as grace people. Is he said, oh, by the way, just so you know, don't be surprised when people hate you because of me. Ah, don't we hate that? Doesn't that, that sucks. For those that are grace people, it's like the last thing we want to hear, right? Because we want to be about compassion and tenderness and love, and let's just, ah! Right? And Jesus said, no, just so you know, people are going to misunderstand you at times. They're going to hate you at times. They're not going to like your message. Now, if you just preach grace, you just embody grace, they'll like you. 
But that's not the whole story. It's grace and truth. Right? And, and let's just be honest. Like, I, I really don't like throwing stones at other churches, so I'm not going to name any. But in our own city, all right, we've, there have been plenty of churches that have died, right, and a number of them that are on the fast track because somewhere along the way, they married truth. And they tried to push Jesus this way to truth. And they decided, you know what? We're going to love God. We're going to love our Bible. And let's forget the whole loving people thing, right? And they held on to the things that you know, Jesus says, look, don't, don't, don't be surprised when people hate you on my behalf. And so every single time somebody didn't like them and said, look, you're not loving. We don't like you. They said, I'm being persecuted. We're being persecuted. We're doing the right thing. Right? And sometimes you're just being an a-hole. Like, you're just not kind. People know you don't care about them. Like, you like being right. And you don't really care about anybody else who you deem wrong. Right? Haven't we all, like, experienced that and seen that? And you're just like, oh, please don't associate with me with, me with those people. You know? Right, but somewhere along the way, they just decide, no, it's about truth. We're going to preach truth uncompromisingly. We're not going to care about the receiver, the hearer. We're, we're not going to care about how we're being received and, and, and received as our city. We're going to stop thinking about those people who disagree with us, and we're just going to preach the truth. And if you agree with us, hey, you, can, you can be on our team. Right, it never goes well. It doesn't matter if you're right if nobody's listening. Right, but we've all seen it. And the truth is there's a number of churches that are over here too. Right, and it's, it's equally devastating to a church and to our faith and for us as a community and to individuals. And they said, we're all about grace. And that's it, not truth. Truth is optional now, right? We are about tolerance, affirming everybody, everything they believe. Nobody's wrong, right? You're all welcome here. Don't, you're not wrong. No, you believe that? Okay, all right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know? And there, this came across things in the Bible, and they're like, you know what? We really don't like that. We're going to rip that page out. We're going to white out over that. And change that because, you know, it's just, it makes people uncomfortable. People feel judged. You know, we don't want people to feel like they're wrong. You know, and, and it never goes well either. Right? And we've, we've seen both sides. Right? And I think if, if we as a community probably have a tendency, the people who call Mosaic home, we probably, right? Right? You know, it's like, ah. But we can't. We've got to resist that because Jesus didn't say it's one or the other. It's both. And just so you know, Holding on to both is really messy. It's really hard. Because sometimes it looks inconsistent. Right? Because you're not dealing with, like, policies, right? You're dealing with people. Right? One pastor, I remember him saying, like, him saying, we don't have policies here. We have conversations. And we're going to talk through our stuff, holding grace and truth in both hands. And the problem is it gets really, really messy. And part of the struggle is, just so you know, guys, as a part of this community and just for you individually, what ends up happening is you get caught from both sides in the crossfire because everybody wants us to go one way or the other. Right? And those on the grace side really don't like the idea of any church or any Christian or any person saying that somebody else is wrong, that God's word says something else that is countercultural and that people don't like. Right, that something needs to be changed, that, that the way that life is being lived is, is not good, it's destructive, it's not the way God created it to be. There, there's no flourishing there. Life isn't going to come from there. God can't bless that. They don't like that. Right? And so they fire back. Right? And the problem is, churches over here, they're going to fire back too because they're going to look at the way that we treat people that we disagree with, and they don't like how much love and grace and patience and kindness that requires. Right? Because somewhere along the way, they decided those people are not deserving of God's love. Right? They're rebelling against God. Right? They've made their bed. Let them sleep on it. Right? And we're saying, no, 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 no. 
We may disagree with you, but we're going to lay down our life to love you well. We're not going to let you get away without somebody loving on you. Right? We're going to exercise patience with you when it comes to discipleship. So much patience. Why? Because God has been so incredibly patient to us. And we're going to advocate for them and fight that for them and serve them. And boy, this camp over here really doesn't like that idea. Right? And so the hard part is you hold both together and, and the crossfire just keeps on coming. Right? But it's, it's the only way. It's the only way. We can't choose one or the other. All right, so, so what this means, just practically, uh, when it comes to every single one of us, just as individuals, whether you're a grace person or whether you're a truth person, and I know we have, we have both in the room, what this means is you can't stay where you're at. Right? And as tempting as it might be to push Jesus one way or the other and interpret everything that he says and does through how we want him to be, we have to take him as he is, which is grace and truth. It means we've got to move. All right, so guys, if you'll throw up the second to last slide there. All right, so as we lean, I'm going to show you a very uh, complicated graphic um, uh, as we wrestle through this grace and truth thing. All right, you can go to the last one. All right. Actually, it's kind of embarrassing how long that took me, just so you know. <laughs> All right, but I, I want to give you a visual. All right, and it's not a perfect visual. All right, but the, the reality is whether you're a grace person, whether you're a truth person, is you've got to move the other way. Right? If you're a grace person, you've got to lean into truth. And if you're a truth person, you've got to lean into grace. Why? Because that's the way of Jesus. That's where Jesus is at. And that's what he calls us to do and to be. So truth people, what this means for truth people, means we need to move towards grace. Right? We need to learn to value it, to embrace it, to learn it, to practice it and move that direction. Why? Because that is the direction of Jesus. Right? Truth people, it means we have to learn how to love people well. Right? It means that we have to be relentless in extending grace to people, right? whether we agree with them or not. Right? It means we have to be so incredibly patient with them, which is going to be very hard for us truth people. Right? It means that we are going to have to constantly remember our own brokenness, right? that whole you know, plank in my eye, speck of dust in your eye thing. It's like, okay, yeah, 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 you, you do have some stuff we need to talk about and, and walk through together, but I am no different and I am no better than you. Right? The, the, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. It is an equal playing field. I'm broken. You're broken. We're broken together. Jesus is the one that we need. It means we've got to remember that and keep that in front of us all the time. It means that we have to love past what is comfortable right? until it's uncomfortable and then keep on loving. Right? We have to realize that as truth people, we can actually have all the right answers and completely miss the heart of God in the process. Right? Isn't this the story of all the, the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders of Jesus' day? They knew the Torah inside and out. All of them had memorized the Psalms. Right? If they were religious leaders, they had the whole Torah memorized. First five books of the Bible, memorized. Oh, they knew the Word of God, and they completely missed God in their midst. You can know all the right answers and completely miss the heart of God in the process. Right? We need to realize that how we say something is just as important as what we say. Right? And if we bring truth in the wrong way, we're still wrong. Right? We have to learn to understand, to love, and to practice grace, to move towards grace, those of us who are truth people. For those of us who are grace people, that means we have to move towards truth. And this is going to be very uncomfortable for many of us. Right? It means that we're going to have to take a hard, long look at some of our assumptions and our ideas and our beliefs. Right? And we have to stop saying things like, well, I think, dot, dot, dot. And start asking, well, what does Jesus think? 
Because ultimately, it doesn't matter what you think or I think. You know that, right? Like, it does not matter what Aaron thinks. It doesn't matter what I think, right? And if at any point what I think is different from what Jesus thinks, stop listening to me, please, and open up the Gospels and listen to Jesus. It means we have to take our ideas, our values, our beliefs, and hold them up and ask, all right, Jesus, what do you think on this matter? Or it means we're going to have to start speaking the truth into the lives of others. Ah, oh, isn't that hard? Right, because here's the thing I know, like right now, some of you, you think it as somebody. Right, somebody in your life might be a significant other, family member, coworker, neighbor, friend, child, parent, whatever. And you're watching what they're doing. And you know that if you were completely honest with him, you would say, you've got to stop. You've got to stop. You're destroying your life. It's not going to go well for you or for yours. And for those of us who are grace people, that's so hard. Right? You truth people are like, what's the big deal? Speak the truth. Right? But Jesus was, was both, and we do. For those of us who are grace people, we've got to learn how to do that. Right? It means that we're going to have to take a hard look at, at our, our sin, you know? On Easter, we party, and we party because all that sin has been paid for. But it doesn't protect us from the consequences of some of our actions. Right? I've, I've said it before, but God's grace is not a license to live like an idiot. You know, and, and if we keep doing those things, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. He does. He's crazy about you. You can rebel him and run the other way for the rest of your life. He's never going to stop loving you. Right? But if you ever take a look in the mirror and you go, why am I not experiencing the fullness of life that Jesus talked about? Why? Right? We have to take a hard look and ask, man, are, are we really living the way of Jesus? Right? Or are we running the other way? Because right? we'll never experience the full life that Jesus has for us if we don't. Right? And just for, for us as a church, just so you know, we're also going to have to learn how to live together as a community both grace people and truth people. And you got to know you're going to feel tension on both sides. Right? Those of you who are grace people, we're going to talk about stuff as we have in the past, right? And in those Sundays where you're so uncomfortable, maybe today is one of them, I don't know, you know? And you're just like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't bring a friend today. <laughs> you know? Because <laughs> it's so hard, you know what I mean? Like, can I be completely honest with you? There's stuff in there that I don't like. It's true. There's stuff in the Bible that I don't like. And if it was up to me, I'd take it out or rewrite it. But you don't want me doing that. I mean, those of us who are grace people, we're going to have to lean in and hold truth. And those of us who are truth people, just so you know, you're going to feel tension too. Because truth people, you're going to hate how much we love people. It's going to be so, maybe you don't hate, maybe not hate it. Maybe that's a little strong, but it's going to be hard for you. It's going to be hard for you how patient we are with people in the process of discipleship, how, how we seek to love them and show them kindness and, and that they are loved and valued and that they belong here even though they're doing stuff and you look at their life and you're like, oh my gosh, how can you call yourself a Christian? And they're going to call Mosaic home and we're going to celebrate that because we don't get to choose whether it's grace or whether it's truth. It's both. And that's messy and it's hard, but that's Jesus. All right, let me pray for you. Lord God, right now, I know this, this kind of a message that lands in a lot of different places. 
uh, in some ways, I, I want to stir the pot up and get us thinking and reflecting on which one we are. Are we a grace person? Or are we a truth person? And how must we, how, how are you calling us to move towards you? Because you are both full of truth and full of grace. And Lord God, I ask that you would continue to lead us in becoming your church and your, your followers with both. Lord God, may we, ever, may we never rip pages out of the Bible or try to rewrite things that you've put in there, even when it's hard for us, even when we might not like it. Right? And may we never stop loving people, never stop showing them grace, always in their corner, fighting for them and moving them towards you and showing them relentless grace when they choose not to, because that's the call. So Lord God, we come before you now as a community of faith, as grace people and truth people to worship you. Our Lord, our King, full of grace and truth. We pray these things in your name. Amen.